The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Excited. Got a great show today. Of course, we have a recap show from all Sunday night with the NFL Super Friends in the feed. We record that late at night, so it drops for you first thing in the morning. Then we circle back on Monday, record a preview of the Monday Night Football game. We'll also talk to Jason Locke and Fora about the latest coaching buzz, uh, specifically surrounding the Cowboys and the Panthers, and then some other quarterback news. It's a very interesting, it's, it's chock full of nuggets, honestly. So make sure and check that out on the other side of the break. But first, let's preview an incredible Monday night matchup between the Rams and the Ravens with our guy, the man, the myth, the legend, Jared Dubin. Dude, what's up, buddy? Uh, what did JLC say about the Cowboys? Um, um, he thinks that the latest buzz surrounding the Cowboys and Dubin, I'm sure, will listen to the podcast, but we've already recorded with JLC. Uh, it's coming up. Um, uh, he said that uh, Jerry Jones is currently preparing a 10-year extension for Jason Garrett. Oh, wonderful. That's actually what I expected. So No, he um, – no, he, uh, he, he, it is beneficial. I will tell you – well, I don't want to spoil too much, but basically Jason Garrett needs to do a lot of good things or else, you know, you might get your wish – and uh, the Cowboys would probably go big game hunting this offseason. Uh, Honestly, I would take small game hunting. Like, they could hire – who's the worst coach in the league right now? Uh, Freddie Kitchens? They could hire Freddie Kitchens, and I would be happy about it. I mean, Jason Garrett's the worst coach in the league. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as I don't have to watch Jason Garrett coach the team anymore, I would be happy. Like, they could somehow get a downgrade, and I would be okay with that. I don't know if you heard the uh, the quote from – your man's, but uh, apparently, according to Connor Livesey, who uh, works, he does uh, SB Nation Dallas Cowboys for blogging the boys. He does blogging the boys. Mm-hmm. Jason Garrett, this is quote Monday. He's asked about it. We don't use the stats when in the game. Yeah, we know, Jason. We've been watching this team for ten years. We know you don't use them. <laughs> That's I might quote tweet that with that. Yeah, we we're aware. Uh, uh, I, I already I already said that on on Twitter. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I used uh, some more colorful language that I don't think I could use on a uh, okay. CBS podcast, but okay. yeah. Uh, all right, let's dive into this game, though. Dude, I promised Debo I would not uh, I would not I would not ruin it by, by allowing us to be distracted. How about those Phoenix Suns? 
Um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, the, the Ravens. Ricky Rubio back on the lineup. <laughs> yeah, I got the Suns over season total over. I love it. Charlotte Hornets collapsing. Got their under two. Loving it. Um, the last time these two teams play, or the last time these teams played individually, the Rams took care of business against the Bears, but weren't great. 17 to 7. Um, could have been better, I guess, if, you know, except for a few sort of uh, fluke plays. Uh, the Ravens left nothing to the uh, imagination. They just steamrolled the Texans 41 to 7. Uh, I'll start with this. What could Wade Phillips and the Rams defense possibly conjure up to uh, slow down Lamar Jackson? I don't know that there's much you could conjure up to slow him down. I mean, it basically comes down to, I guess, make him throw the ball over the top of the defense and hope he misses. Like, anything else you do, if you try to box him in in the pocket and keep him from running the ball, like, he's going to break that. Like, that's what the Patriots tried to do. They tried to box him in, and he just, you know, jitterbugged his way around and found a way to run on them anyway. Like, there's not much you could do. He's a better athlete than every player on the field. And, um, yeah. Okay. So, it's like that, huh? Um, what, I mean, what, what have you seen from Lamar that, I mean, I feel like this where like, what, like, do you think Lamar is good? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by how, and I, and I got, I'm glad that I didn't, I was early in the offseason, I was on the, Bury the Brown, bury the Ravens bandwagon because I thought I thought they were going to try and operate the offense that they operated last year. And when John Harbaugh came out and said this offense is going to be like any, unlike anything you've ever seen before, I was like, that's ridiculous. Like that's not that's not true. You know, nobody's creating offenses we've never seen before. This isn't like you know, like even you know, like like when Nirvana started playing music. You know, it's like that's new and different. Or when grunge came about, but it's like it's still based in other stuff. Just like offenses are always based in other stuff. But frankly, this is sort of unlike anything we've ever seen before. Now, the principles from, from, you know, read option and power run game are all combined there, but the, the ability of Lamar to sit in the pocket and be patient has floored me this year. And it part, part and parcel because of uh, how well the, the Ravens have blocked for him. You know, what do you, do you think he's become, is he still mostly a runner? Is he mostly a pocket passer? How do you perceive Lamar right now? Uh, I perceive him as a, quarterback you know like he will if you let him run he will run all over you if you force him to pass he will pass all over you if you try to you know go halfway then on the plays where you're like we're gonna sit back then he'll take what's there on the plays where you try to come after him he'll make you miss and then take what's left um i I don't know that i perceive him necessarily as primarily one or the other i mean he can hit deep throws over the top. He can hit intermediate throws. They have a a pretty decent screen game when they go to it. And obviously if you try to take away the downhill running with, whether it's Mark Ingram or Gus Edwards, or even, you know, they, they love to use those, the power runs from the, from the pistol and they'll run stretch plays. You try to take those away. Jackson will beat you to the opposite edge. If you try to take away Jackson, he is perfectly okay. Just letting those guys run downhill and because you're devoting an extra defender to taking away the quarterback, you don't have the numbers in the run game, and they'll just run down your throat for you know five, six, seven yards every time. the The offensive line is blocking up, you know, among the best in the league. They're fifth in the league in adjusted line yards of football outsiders. They're fourth in terms of runs being stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage, and you know because they're they're blocking so mu- so much down the field, 
they're getting second level yards and open field yards, and it's not just Jackson. I mean, Mark Ingram's br- ripping off long runs. Gus Edwards ripped off whatever it was, like a 62-yard touchdown run last week. It's not like he's been, you know, only getting three, four yards to carry. No matter what you try to do to stop the run game, there's a different way they can beat you because they have the numbers because of Jackson. Like, he creates a numbers advantage in the run game by being a threat to run. Yep. It's And the thing that, you know, I wrote about this last week um, in my Sorting the Sunday Pile column, which comes out, uh, in, on Monday afternoon. And by the way, if you're reading CBS, go ahead and read Dubin's preview. He writes a big preview and then we have him on to talk about it, but, but check out the preview. And the podcast is in there. You can listen to it there if you want to read while you listen. Um, the, the ability of the Ravens to trot out these like three tight end or two tight end formations and line up in power for, you know, power, like, like power formations and then to run play action and have, you know, Hayden Hurst or Mark Andrews streaking downfield as really good pass catchers, like that, that's really, really hard to defend because you not only have to defend the power run, you've got to defend Lamar on like a read option look, and you've got to defend these good pass catchers moving, moving down the field. I mean, I, I just don't know, like, wh- like what is Wade Phillips going to do with Jalen Ramsey in this spot? Because I don't think you're going to have Jalen Ramsey shadow Marquise Brown, right? If Marquise Brown is even playing. Yeah, right. Well, that's one of the things that I wrote about, uh, in the preview too, like, they got Jalen Ramsey, and for the most part, he's been shadowing the opposing team's number one receiver. But with this team, through two players, which is Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, but neither of those guys plays like a full complement of offensive snaps. You know, they're, they play pretty infrequently, especially compared to other top targets in the league. Like the team prefers to use Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst as the blocking tight ends. And Brown has, you know, been playing through one injury or another for most of the season. And they prefer to use, like, whether it's Willie Sneed or Seth Roberts or even Miles Boykin as a blocker when they're going to be running. And they, they're, you know, Brown is obviously significantly smaller than those guys. It's not that he can't block. It's just, you know, the other guys are much better blockers. Um, so I don't know who you use Jalen Ramsey on. Like, it's very rare for teams to shadow a tight end with a corner, but it does seem like, Andrews is the guy you would want to take away in the passing game. Um, but then if you do that, like, you know, is Marquise Brown just going to beat Hill over the top? Um, you know, it's a, it's a very strange passing game to play against when you have a shadow corner like that. Yeah. Uh, 7% snaps is his highest offensive snap percentage. And it's incredible too, because he's just piled up monster numbers as a, as a receiving tight end throughout the season um, at 598 yards and six touchdowns despite playing. As you point out, I mean, never more than 60% of the offensive snaps, which is, it's, it's just wild. Uh, let's talk about the Rams offense. What, uh, is the bloom off the proverbial rose when it comes to the, uh, Sean Payton is a, Sean, Sean McVay, excuse me, Sean McVay is a genius, uh, buzz thing stuff. Um, I don't know that it's off the rose. I mean, I guess if you were talking about him as like the greatest coach in the history of football, then like, no, he's not that. But like, he's still an obviously very good coach. He's just working, you know, considerably more shorthanded this season than he was the past two years when they had, you know, essentially no injuries along their offensive line and they had one of the best offensive lines in the league and that allowed them to do essentially whatever they wanted offensively. Um, now they're working with a, an injured and ineffective offensive line and a quarterback who has shown that he essentially cannot operate with an ineffective 
offensive line in front of him. I mean, at this point, we're looking at essentially a full season of Jared Goff just being, you know, terrible again. Um, not quite as bad as he was as a rookie, but I mean, over the last, so they've played now 15 regular season games since that 54-51 over the Chiefs where it looked like, you know, we were seeing the future of football. <laughs> and Goff is 331 of 553. That's 59.1% completions. For 3,924 yards, that's 7.1 yards per attempt. He's got 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, 15 fumbles, and a 79.7 passer rating. I mean, that's that, considerably below average. Yeah, that's that's terrible. I mean, that's terrible. And that that doesn't include the playoff run where, like, he had a good game. I think it was against the Cowboys. He was pretty good. But other than that, was you know not really doing much of anything. Well, so. The one maybe saving grace, I guess, is that the Ravens are not necessarily the uh, most dynamic like, pass rushing group. Don't get me wrong; they're good, and and like Matt Matt Judon's got six sacks, Tyus Tyus Bowser four. But I mean, this is not like Nick Bosa. I mean, this is not like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram lining up against the Rams' offensive line. Do you think that the Rams will have any success moving the ball against this Baltimore front? And look, Baltimore's defense has come on like gangbusters after struggling in the first few weeks of the season. They've been top five DVOA, maybe number one in DVOA the last five or six weeks. Uh, is there any chance the Rams can have offensive success here? I think if they do, it's probably going to have to come with the run. Like, you know, I just went through the golf numbers and like, I don't know what it is that you have to have seen from this Rams offense that would give you an idea that they're going to have success through the air against pretty much anybody right now. Like the only teams they've had passing success against are the Falcons, who at that time were like the biggest disaster defensively in the league and the Bengals who like only vaguely resemble a football team. Um, You know, they're going to have their three wideouts back. I would think because Robert Woods was not listed uh, on the final injury report with the personal issue that kept him out last week and most of this week in practice Uh, and Brandon cooks. It sounds like he's going to come back from the concussion that's kept him out for the past few weeks. But, I mean, you look at the Ravens' secondary right now. I mean, they're going to have Jimmy Smith on whichever of Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods lines up on the left side, and they're going to have Marcus Peters, who is bawling out of his mind, on whichever of those guys lines up on the right side, and then Marlon Humphrey on Cooper Cup in the slot. And, I mean, Humphrey began the year as a shadow corner, just erasing guys for the entire season, and now he basically just plays in the slot, and he's erasing guys, whoever's there. I don't see an advantage for any of those Rams wideouts necessarily. And, you know, even if the Ravens don't get pressure, it's hard to see how those guys are going to get open quickly enough for the offensive line to hold it. Like, even if the pressure doesn't come right away, how are those guys getting open quickly enough for Goff to deliver the ball before the pressure gets there? You know, especially, I mean, you look at the way they ran that pass, that pass offense last week, and that was a team playing scared of its quarterback having to do anything. You know, they threw down the field, I think, like twice all game. And uh, I don't think you could do that against the Ravens. Um, it's going to have to come with the run. And, I mean, the offensive line did block up the run game better last week than they had earlier in the season. Some of that was, you know, moving two new guys into the starting lineup on the right side of the line, and those guys played pretty well. Some of it was changing the the style of running they were doing. They were not really using that outside zone that has been the staple of the Sean McVay era. They were doing a lot of, you know, double teams on the inside and things like that. Maybe they go back to that again this week, but, you know, now it's going to have been scouted. It's not, there's no surprise to it, I wouldn't think, 
this time around. So it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't see necessarily how the Rams are going to have much success offensively, which is a pretty strange thing to say about a team that was like the, the obvious second best offense in the league for all of last season. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think I've heard enough from you. Um, let's get to, <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I get the sense that I, I get, I get the sense of where I think this is going. And they, I, I really, I, this is a, this game is fascinating to me and we'll get your pick in a second. I want to get some props, but it, it's, you don't know that you never know the line before we do this, right? Um, if you had to guess the line, what do you think the line is? Um, this game is where in LA? Great home field advantage. Uh, Ravens by four and a half. You're pretty good at this. Um, three, it's three and a half now. It was three. Ravens by three. So, like, last week in week 11 of the, of, of the NFL, like the, the public cleaned up. And it, it happens. I mean, it's, you know, it's a week. It's, you know, it just happens. The public wins. I mean, if the public never won, they would never be, probably would stop betting. Maybe. Who knows? Um, this week, uh, everything went back the other way. And you could tell that it was like very much like a, you know, like, you know, like Cincy covered six, nobody wanted to bet on the Bengals and they covered at home. Um, you know, the Jets slaughtered the Raiders or the Raiders were road favorites. And this game falls in line with that idea that the Rams as three and a half point dogs to a clearly superior Baltimore team, uh, should just be mutilated at home. Um, so you know what I'm saying? Like it's sort of like a it's a it's an interesting battle between holy crowd the Rams are I mean the, the Ravens are incredible and destroying everything in their path and yeah but the Rams are a team that was in the Super Bowl last year they are six and four they're well coached on both sides of the ball and they're getting three and a half points at home you know what I mean like it's a weird sort of juxtaposition between gut feel and eye test and so uh, I'm curious to hear what your final prediction is but let's get to the props first Lamar Jackson uh, you can do two at once. Over under 229 passing yards, over under 65 and a half rushing yards. That is so many rushing yards. Um, I think I'll go over on passing and under on rushing. I think Wade Phillips is going to try to do whatever he can to limit the run game and say, like, if you're going to beat me over the top with Marquise Brown or down the field with Mark Andrews, then hats off to you. But he's not going to – he's going to do whatever he can to stop the run, I think. I'm seeing 69 and a half yards rushing. That is, man, that is a lot of rushing yards, even for, I mean, the problem is like if Lamar Jackson rips off, you know, one big run, you're, you're toast, but. Right. And even when you try to contain him, he can do that anyway. Like, and he turns those runs that most quarterbacks would take, you know, five, six yards to the outside and he'll cut back into the middle of the field and take it 20 more yards. You know, like the guy is incredible. Yeah, since, um, you know, we saw a little bit during the early part of the season where they tried to limit his rushing. I mean, he ran 16 times against the, the Cardinals, so it's not entirely true. But um, he's averaging over his last six games 13.3 rushing attempts per game and 90.5 uh, rushing yards per game, which is just ridiculous, as well as 6.8 yards per attempt and five rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's like that's like a good running back game. And yeah, that's like the best running back in the league plus the one of the best passers in the league. If he stays healthy, he's 100% going 1,000-1,000, which is just great. Maybe two, maybe yeah, three. I mean, I'm feeling very good. Remember we did our uh, the enormous email thread where we all had to do the 100 predictions 
thing before the season. My first prediction was Lamar Jackson's going to break the single season rushing record for a quarterback. Feeling pretty good about that one. Should have thrown down on him for MVP then. I I thought about it and just bailed on it. Of course, like I got. I, got I think the first prediction was, or no, maybe it was Mahomes goes back to back for MVPs was my first one, and then Lamar was the second one. Lamar was a guy I contemplated as MVP, and I just couldn't get there, and I, I missed. Regret it deeply now. Uh, Jared Goff over under two hundred fifty five and a half passing yards. Uh, I mean, I guess with the way I was talking about that offense, I'm gonna have to go under. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it it would be about this uh this Rams offense that would make anybody think that they're gonna have success offensively. Like it's just been a bad offense for a while. His last four games, he's averaging two sixty four. But there's a big old fat caveat there because he had 268 against the Falcons, trash defense, 372 against the Bengals, real trash defense. Uh, those were before the bye. Since the bye, played against Pittsburgh, 243, and played against Chicago, 173. You could argue he would have had more, you know, if hadn't been called back. Um, completion percentage is, is really low. Uh, he just isn't, when the Rams play good defenses by DVOA, he just doesn't put up big numbers. Uh, it's when they play non-disaster defenses, he doesn't put up numbers. But he's got huge numbers against Tampa, Seattle, Atlanta, Cincinnati. I mean, come on. Uh, running backs, Ty Gurley, over under 64 and a half rushing yards. Um, I, I would say, I guess, based on how they utilized him last week, where it was pretty much all him in the backfield, I guess I'll go over. Just because I think if they're going to move the ball at all, it's going to have to be with the run. And uh, I think the Ravens are okay letting you run instead of pass on them. Okay. And uh, finally, picks Mark Ingram over under 54 and a half rushing yards. Um, I'll go over there too because if you're, you know, when they go to those read option runs, if you're trying to take away the Jackson run, like he'll give it to Mark Ingram and let him rumble down the middle. Um, I know he hasn't had more than I think 17 carries in any game this year, but I think even if he gets there, like all he needs to do is average four yards a carry and he's got the over. We should have, um, you know, if I was good at my job, I would have had a Lamar Jack, uh, a Mark Ingram, uh, soundbite ready to play. I'm not spoiler. I'm not good at my job, but, uh, but I was going to try and play it really quick and I can't get it to load now. Stupid. What the one where he was pipe hyping up Lamar Jackson last week. Yeah. Or either that or like, uh, I like the blackjack one too. Have you heard the blackjack one? No, I have not heard that one. Blackjack twenty-one out there bowling. Hey, hey you know you what they say? Thing? You think it? Hey, double down on the ten. Double down. Pull the ace. Ace. Blackjack twenty-one. You are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that that's how blackjack works. It's not. And Mike Garofalo, who was doing the interview, was extremely confused with it. Um, okay, let's get to the pick. Who you got in this game? I'm going to assume you have the Ravens winning and covering. Maybe winning by a lot. Yeah, I got the Ravens 26-17. Okay. Underplay. The total in this game is 47. Uh, so, yeah, apparently I love the under because yeah. that's four points under. Yeah. I think that if the Rams compete in this game, it almost has to go under. Yeah, I don't see them coming out and scoring a ton of points. To where you know this game turns into a shootout, especially with the way the Ravens secondary is playing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say it's probably going to be a low-scoring game unless the Ravens are like getting close to the over themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, the Ravens the last, I mean, here's, here's the Ravens scores since they're by 37, 49, 41 against the Patriots, Bengals, and Texans. Uh, certainly the Patriots are a very good defense, but they were off their bye Sunday night game. You could argue that, you know, that's, you know, and they've held opponents to, uh, 40 points. Those three opponents to 40 points in totality in those games are defense playing very well. Uh, if the Ravens, if the Ravens win and cover, I think it probably goes over. Uh, whereas, you know, you have 29 points total for the Rams in the, since they're by, they've gone one and one and they've allowed 24 points. So I, I would. And look, last week, I mean, the way they played that game against the Bears and maybe it was just because they had so much confidence that Mitch Trubisky couldn't beat them, but that was a team playing scared of letting its quarterback do literally anything. They were, you know, running right into the middle of the line on third downs, uh, very content to punt the ball away and be like, all right, Mitch, try to drive the ball 85, 90 yards. You cannot do that against the Ravens. Like, you have to trust your quarterback to make plays. You have to throw the ball downfield. Like, you can't throw 90% of your passes within two yards of the line of scrimmage. And based on the way they were operating last week, I mean, it just does not look like a team that has any confidence that they can do that. I'm with you. I think it is highly correlated. So if you like the Rams in this game and you think that they can win or cover – if you think they can win, I do think they can win. And I, I don't, it's, it's a little bit of a gut feel. It's a little bit of trusting these coaches. Um, it's a little bit of the Ravens got have a, a bit too much hype considering the last thing we saw. So uh, if you'd like the Rams to potentially win this game, you, and you're going to take the Rams and bet on the Rams, you should also, uh, I, I believe, uh, hit the money line on the Rams and the under as a correlated parlay. It would basically have to be like, remember the game early in the season where the Ravens played against the Chiefs and they came out and they tried to both control the clock and make it a low scoring game and be aggressive at the same time going forward on a bunch of fourth downs because in the game against a high scoring team whose offense you probably can't stop, you need to keep the ball and score a bunch of points. Um, whereas most teams would say, we're just going to try to avoid mistakes and we're going to punt and play conservative in fourth downs like the Cowboys did yesterday against the Patriots, uh, you need to do the opposite of that. You need to be as aggressive as possible so you can keep the ball for the majority of the game. So the Rams have to run the ball well, and they have to be aggressive in fourth down situations and trying to get touchdowns instead of field goals. But, you know, I think Sean McVay has shown as progressive as he is as an offensive coach, he is very conservative when it comes to fourth down and field goal type decision making. Um, so they would have to go against type to do that uh the ravens i think we've seen that was sort of the first sign of it early in the year but we've seen that they're you know very aggressive in their decision making when it comes to those kinds of things a lot of that is because the setup of their team allows them to convert in those situations because they could do so many different things with lamar but also because it's just a better percentage play more often than not and they're willing to buck nfl tradition and do that whereas most teams are not yep you're right. The Ravens are aggressive. John Harbaugh has a great coaching ecosystem there. Incredible to watch them uh, put everything together. By the way, he should be getting way coach. more Coach of the Year buzz. Like, he should be one of the favorites. Well, it's like when Patrick Mahal, like last year, Andy Reid should have been getting Coach of the Year buzz too, right? Oh, yeah. But you don't get Coach of the Year buzz when there's MVP buzz. Because the, the player, like, Coach of the Year buzz is always a team that was supposed to be bad that ends up being better than people thought. Or a coach who overcame some kind of loss, not a coach who, uh, you know, actually coached. <laughs> like, right. Like, can like, you name anyone who's done just like a better actual coaching job this season in terms of the way they're running their team? I don't think I can. No, probably not. Maybe Kyle Shanahan. 
Yeah, I would say Kyle Shanahan's probably up there. But, I mean, for them also, or you know what, I guess it's the same way. Like, not that the defense hasn't been, been good for the Ravens, but what they're doing offensively, I think, is what's made them better than expected. A lot of that is Greg Roman scheming things up. But, I mean, John Harbaugh is the guy who decided they were going to move on from Marty Mornenweg and go to Greg Roman. He's the one that said, you know what, we're going to be aggressive and do all these kinds of things. And, um, you know, and the, and the defense has obviously been much better once they got healthy. And, you know, same way with the, the 49ers. For the most part, the defense being way better than expected is is why they've been a better team than expected, and that's Robert Sala on that side of the ball. But, you know, he's empowered him to, to run that side, and then the offense has looked much better lately. Like Jimmy Garoppolo was sort of playing okay early on in the season, but now that offense is really rolling the last few weeks. Yep. Um, I, we have to get out, or otherwise Debo is going to kill me because this podcast has morphed into an hour-long party on Monday mornings, and he drives him nuts, but that's okay. Uh, Jared Dubin, follow him at Dubin 5 Read his preview on the site. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk to Jason Lockenfora. Dubs, as always, a pleasure, buddy. Thanks, man. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, now that we got the preview under our belt, time to welcome on, as we always do, on Monday morning... Or Monday morning quarterback, <laughs> Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports NFL Insider. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? I don't know if I'm legally allowed to say Monday morning quarterback. Do the does SI? Oh, really? Is that like? Uh, no, I mean, like, does Peter, is I, that is that does Peter King get you have to give Peter King a quarter every time you say it? Although you know, he ended. Up, I mean, he didn't get to tease. Right, him. he didn't keep it. Right, the I, remnants of SI did, or whatever it is now. Yeah, I would guess that that probably kind of size picked apart carcass. R.I.P. Yeah, um, the uh, Maven, the great Maven. Oh, what a shame that is. God. Yeah. Um, Terrible. We aren't going to rant on 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 that size. I, I don't know if we get in trouble for it, so we'll just avoid it. Uh, let's instead talk about the carcass of the Dallas Cowboys, who uh, lost to. The... What do you mean they're six and five in first place? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know it if they're you. They're America's team. What are you? What? What are you talking about? Ask Jerry Jones. Don't we get to see him on prime time every week? Isn't that mandated by the football gods? I can't get enough of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh my, they're amazing. Well, first of all, they are going to be on prime time. Oh, you're right. You're right. I love the Dallas Cowboys. Oh my god, I can't wait to watch them this week and every week, but especially this week when they are on CBS. On CBS. Uh, and by the way, what um. People, tell people when they can tune in to watch you on the NFL today on Thanksgiving because the timing will be different. We, yeah. Yes, we have a very we have the afternoon game, so we have a very short window. I believe we're on from four to four twenty-five. 
taking you to kickoff of the Bills Cowboys. And let's face it, by 4 p.m., you will have thrown up your turkey watching <laughs> Mitch Trubisky and Jeff Driscoll impersonate NFL quarterbacks on that other network. So bail on that. We've got an amazing feature. Um, Charlie Bloom, who, who does our features, the NFL Today, and, and, and is um, a genius with that stuff, he, he's got a, a very illuminating, cool feature um, on Derek Morgan and what he's doing post-playing career that you won't want to miss. Uh, we've got some great interviews. I'll have some, some Cowboys news I'll be updating. Um, so, yeah, check us out at the NFL Today. Don't watch that dog game. Come watch us. On the other network. Um, the, uh, so I don't want to, obviously we would never have you spoil your Cowboys news. Um, but where do you think we stand in terms of the Cowboys and Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones? Because Jerry Jones was not happy at the end of that game. Um, he made it clear that, I mean, I I don't want to say that he, that he definitely said he's going to fire Jason Garrett if the Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl, but I felt like, and you've said this on the podcast before. I felt like I, re- I reported it in our, on a, in a, I believe it was in October. It was probably around week five or six after I talked to two or three people who Jerry had been talking to. It's been a while, and I reported it in no uncertain terms. And this was probably when they were four and two. That this isn't like nine and seven, ten and six. Hey, we're happy to be here. How about them Cowboys? And you know, put a ring on Jason Garrett's finger. He Jerry has felt like. He has one of the better rosters in the league, and it's young, and it's talented at critical positions, and he thinks they should be able to beat good teams in January. And if they don't win multiple, in all likelihood, multiple games in January, then he's going to be seeing if he can upgrade at the coaching spot. And when he never made any attempts to extend Jason Garrett, that spoke volumes. He didn't have to say anything. This has been his guy forever, and he basically said, the roster is really good. You better be really good in 2019, or somebody else will be here in 2020. And they're a middling team that beats bad teams but doesn't beat good teams, and that's what they've been for a long time, and that's no longer good enough. So um, could they reverse that narrative? They they could, but it's going to take them doing some things in January. We haven't seen Cowboys teams do really since the Jimmy Johnson. Mm error so yeah i would say just keep an eye on you know oklahoma and lincoln riley and he'll be on jerry speed dial when this thing you know falls apart what about urban meyer Oof. i don't think so i don't think so godspeed to whoever whoever does that in the nfl really you think so Urban Meyer in the NFL. I mean, it's, I mean, I give it, I, I, I give it thirty seconds. Really? Just that stuff's not playing. That stuff's not playing with men. It's not even coming close to playing with men. Like you, the whole moral high ground, holier than that. Like the whole, the whole everything about him, his whole ethos. It's not. I, I don't know anybody I've talked to who thinks that's going to play in the NFL. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to get into that since I have a history with his <laughs> his wife put me on blast last year two years ago on twitter um do you ever hear about that when she like quote tweet I, I was like i was like look let's be honest if urban if urban was able to make the playoffs he'd be healthy enough to keep coaching and she like quote tweeted was like i hope you don't teach your young son 
about like and then like Ohio State fans just flooded me with with hate. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to get into the whole the health thing or how he's left programs or what's you know what's real and what's not. But the whole sanctimony, like just the, his whole uh, everything. About, I just will somebody take a chance on it at some point in the pros. Maybe. Would he be willing to do it? Absolutely. Do I think it would be a beautiful disaster? Eight days a week. Okay. All right. All right. Um, who else? I mean, is it just like Jerry just has eyes for Lincoln Riley? Are there other? No, but I, I think that would be that that would be the, the the person he would move heaven and earth to try to get. You know, looking at what the skill set of of what he has on offense, looking at at the way Lincoln Riley's system has worked, looking at what it's done to unlock things. Um, for various players, um, looking at the fact that they're everything about him and the way he runs his program, um, I think does project to um, having some success in the NFL or certainly being worth a real look. See the way he carries himself, everything um, that that would be um, the top choice, and I, I think Jerry would 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 be able to persuade him. Frankly, oh really? This time around. He's 36, so. 36 years old, has, um, I mean, you know, the one thing I'll say, he, we thought his defense was going to be better this year. Talking about, just talking about Lincoln Riley, and it's not. Um, they should have, they, they lost, uh, to Kansas State, which knocked him out of the playoff picture. They climbed back in by be- barely beating Baylor, uh, on the road at game day, in, in, in which they should have throttled. Yeah, uh, they, they were lucky as hell to win that game, yeah. Yeah, should have lost this past week to TCU, too. And it, it looks increasingly likely like they might be left out of the playoff. Would that potentially be the impetus for, you know, for him thinking, all right, maybe this job in Oklahoma is quite as cushy as I think it's some of that, but it's more this when I mean, the Dallas Cowboys job doesn't open all that often. And whatever we think of what Jason Garrett may have done to uh, devalue it, it's still, um, it, it still connotes something, you know what I mean? It still means something. It's a huge brand. Um, it's it's everything that comes with it. it it's iconic. Um, I don't. I don't mean. That and it's I, Jerry not getting any younger, trying to win right bleeping now. Okay. Um, would uh, any chance that Jason Garrett gets fired before the season ends? I don't think so. I just. Okay. I don't. I don't. I. I mean, they're going to be in this thing to the end. You know what I mean? Like, Philadelphia, I, I get the schedule. eases up for Philadelphia. But everything's a struggle for Philadelphia right now. You know, so, I mean, look, yeah, if Dallas loses four straight and they're eliminated, you know what I mean? And, and like, before Christmas, then okay, maybe. But I, I don't think that's how that's going to play out. Well, I mean, yeah, I, w- I would assume that – I mean, they had the Bills at home on Thanksgiving on CBS. Um and remember, I pointed, out, I pointed out weeks ago that they're going to be in your face primetime. They're at the Bears on Thursday night. Yeah, you can't avoid them. Right. They get the Rams at home, um, and then they're at the Eagles. So, like, that's that's four more weeks of basically primetime. And then don't they still have one after that? Don't they have one left with Washington or the Giants or something yeah, like that? Redskins, the Redskins at home in week 17. But, I mean, like, it's probably going to come down to, um, you know, it's probably going to come down to that Eagles matchup. And, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and they'll – They'll either sink or swim based on that that Eagles game in Philadelphia. So Doug Peterson versus uh, Jason Garrett should be fun. What about, uh, yep. what about the Carolina Panthers? I know you reported on Sunday on the NFL Today. On normal weeks, you can watch it from uh, 12 to 1 on CBS. Tune in to watch it. Tune in. They love to hear tune in. Um, tune in. Yeah, you know, you, that's like the PR thing. I don't know why. 
Um, I like to say watch it, but uh, the absorb pan- it. I like to say absorb it. Stuff your face. Bask in it. Roll around in it. <laughs> Drink it in. Bathe in Imbibe it. Imbibe it. Imbibe it. The uh, Carolina Panthers. Smell it. Live it. I'm done. I promise. I'm done. The Panthers and Ron, you reported, and we 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 surprise anybody who listens to this podcast because we have been talking about it for weeks. There's a good chance, and you you I mean like I I get some of the I get some of the buzz from different directions, you know, same sort of thing. Like in, you're hearing it obviously. The Carolina Panthers yeah. and David Tepper, who bought the team two years ago for two billion dollars is an aggressive former you know, hedge fund guy worth billions and billions of dollars, does not like to see depreciating assets, does not like to lose. Um, he is at least contemplating wholesale changes yeah. Yeah. and maybe yeah. hitting the reset button completely at a time when the Panthers are probably, the Panthers are going to miss the playoffs. They fell to five and six with that brutal loss to the Saints on the road. They could have kept their playoff hopes alive if they were six and four. Um, they're, you know, they're, excuse me, six and five. They're not. They're dead in the water. And David Tepper, I think I don't know that he's like I hate everyone. I want to fire everyone. I think he just no. sees very clear opportunity to hit the reset button and to do his own thing, which is sort of yes. his prerogative. You know, is that is that fair yeah. to say? Absolutely. And there's people who know him well, who knowing his personality and knowing how wired he is to win right this bleeping second, and then right that bleeping second, and then right the bleeping second after that. He has. He has a pair you are surprised brass- that he's sitting on his hands for two years. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he had a pair of brass like, balls in his office in Appaloosa Management, like a giant pair of like copper testicles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which does not imply someone who is passive in terms of their right. Opinion. Right. Doesn't doesn't imply a whole lot of restraint. Um, right. You know, and 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 uh, we'll never know what could have been had Cam been healthy for you know even half of those two years, but that's not the hand that they were dealt. Um, and I, just from a personality standpoint, from a meeting of the mind standpoint, from a common ground standpoint, he and Ron Rivera were always sort of on very different planes. And if you're Ron Rivera, you don't have to stop being yourself at this point in your career. You know, like, if you're not a fit with this guy the way you were with Jerry Richardson, that's okay. But you don't, you know what I mean? But he's not a guy who I think is going to just like kowtow, you know what I mean? And not that I'm saying that Tepper's looking for somebody to kiss up, but like I think there's times when Ron Rivera knows what the right answer is, but he's not going to give it just to give it. You know what I mean? Like you know the answer that will placate this guy, but I'm, but that's just not who, you know what I mean? That's not who Ron is, and that's not who Ron has to be. A great, so a great example. He, well, I was just going to say a great that? example. When, when people are like, you know, Rod, did you, uh, like the analytics, da, 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 and he's like, you know, sometimes the analytics aren't always right. And when he says something right. like that, you can hear it in his voice. He knows what he's saying is going to resonate poorly with David yes. Tepper. But he's saying it, but he's not, he's not going to say it. He's not going to be like, well, of course we did this because the analytics say to do it, you know, here and right. here. Make him happy. When, like, just when, do it. when Tepper's championing the whole Amazon, you know, documentary that's being done on him, and then Ron's kind of like, crapping on it a little bit verbally at training camp. Like, it's not a big thing in the course of, like, the totality of their uh, relationship. But, you know what I mean? It's also a chance to, you could have, you know what I mean? You could avoid it or you could say what he wants to hear or you could say what you believe. 
And I'm not knocking him for doing what he's doing, but it's like it's it's it, it's not all about saying and doing everything I have to do to try to get a you know a, a five year forty five million dollar contract out of this guy as soon as possible. You know what I mean? Because that's prop or whatever. Five years, forty, whatever you think the going rate is for somebody with Ron Rivera's success and pedigree and resume and and everything he brings to it, which is a lot. You know what I mean? So I think there's always been a little bit of of a guarded sense on both of them that, hey, maybe he's not my guy, and hey, maybe I'm not his guy, but I'm going to keep doing whatever I believe in my heart is best for this team on a day-by-day, hour-by-hour basis, and let the chips fall where they may, because you know what? There are 31 other teams, and, you know, my stuff might resonate with somebody else more than it resonates with him. And with Tepper, it's like, I understand everything this guy's done, but we don't have some of the same overarching philosophies, and we haven't been the greatest personality fit in the world. And I'm not in the habit of giving 40 to $45 million to someone who I'm not, you know what I mean, who isn't entirely my guy. So. And also, GLC, I'd say, too, like, as I pointed out, like, and as you point out, like, this is sometimes there's just a good window to make a clean break. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like, I don't think that Panthers fans are, are hot and cold on Ron Rivera. Some of them, like, I think he's underrated in terms of not just what he's done for the team, not just what he's done for the community, um, not just how he's sort of, Bridge multiple transitions, both of the new quarterback, uh, both of the yep. owner, multiple GMs. I mean, like he's done a really good job, but he is not, um, you know, the, when you coach in the, it's weird when you coach in this area of the country. Look, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're a bunch of rednecks, right? Like people like a bombastic, you know, they like they don't like this, this, you know, buttoned up. <laughs> you know, guy, like they liked Riverboat Ron. They liked the crazy idea. I mean, they, they, it's just how it works. It's kind of stupid. Um, I don't know. I don't know who would be. I don't like. I don't know who. Here's my problem: is I don't know who's going to make Panthers fans happy. But the good news is, is that David Tepper is a new owner without a reputation. He's not, trust me, he's not going to worry about making Panthers fans happy. No, I know. No, no, I know. You know what I mean? But, but I'm saying, like, I'm saying, like, David Tepper is like David Tepper. This is not a. Uh, um, uh, What's the freaking uh, guy who owns the Browns? Does that Jimmy Haslam? This is not a Jimmy Haslam situation where he's high. He's attempted to hire three or four guys and failed already. David Tepper has a clean slate. He and he has a right. ton of. He's going to be able to do what he wants. W- what direction would you see him going if he went in a new direction at at coach? I would I would think that he's got people in that organization. You know, analytics based people, whatever, giving him generating names from several different models. You know what I mean? It could be a model of someone who's already had success. There could be a model they're working on of, um, you know, analytic and analytically inclined numbers based model. They could be running a college football model. And you know what I mean? What do we, who's doing things there that we think would translate to here. And I I think he will, um, he'll be open to, you know what I mean? I think he'll be open to having brainstorming sessions about, about anything. So um, this is, where does this that is, land? I, I don't know. I don't know. This is probably not going to be a situation where he's like hires uh, Schwanky Magoo, the search firm that gives you the ten names. The NFL. Oh yeah, one. Corn Ferry. Yeah, like I'm going to give. Um, you know, uh, Mike McCarthy. What's his face? Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to give me the same list of names that that any half you know any half decent football writer could give me in thirty seconds. Like, yeah, I don't see that happening. So he's not, he's not going to be, and I, I'm, I'm joking with, I'm joking about this, but he's not going to like, he's not going to be texting Peter Schrager for a list of names. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's, that's a Jets joke. I love Schrager. He's my boy. Yeah. Uh, we're not making fun of Schrager, but I mean, yeah, I like, no, I, I love Schrager. Yeah. Schrager's the best. Um, 
like, I mean, uh, you know, obviously this is not a, you know, a name that's going to be their Kyle Shanahan because he's probably going to win coach of the year and has the Niners at 10 and one. But like, that's the sort of name where if the 49ers had struggled this year, maybe he says, all right, you know, that's a guy that could make it work. I, I just think he's going to get, tro- I think he wants a creative offensive mind. I, will- I think there will be a model, maybe multiple models that people present to him that will point strongly to Josh McDaniels. Regardless of the narrative, I shouldn't even call it a narrative, it's a reality, that most Belichick disciples crap the bed. So what is it? I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by this idea of like a coaching model. I mean, is it just take like, I mean, the idea, the idea of the model, obviously, is to strip the bias out of it and to you know, to generate a list of names that says, okay, these are the best Projected names. Projected on numbers and, yeah, and, and whatever you want to throw into your algorithm and whatever, you know what I mean? You might do one thing that weighs this more than that, and then you might run another model that runs this more than that. You know, it's the same way teams evaluate draft picks now. You know what I mean? There'll be one segment of the building in smart teams where you don't even necessarily have to know the player's name. You know what I mean? You just have these these conglomerations of all these different statistics that will spit out, you know what I mean? Who rank number, you know, rankings, projected rankings one through ten at this position group that we think will be the best. Dude, that's how like people do sports betting these days. It's like there are people that just bet on numbers. Like they don't and you know they'll you know they'll obviously like the same with like a draft pick. You're gonna do some quality control and like But I'm not saying that's how the pick is made, but you will get you know what I mean? That will be one part of the evaluation is Okay, here's what this algorithm said. Here's what that algorithm said. Here's what that algorithm said. Here's what our area scout said. Here's what our cross-checker said. Here's what our pro personnel, you know what I mean, or whatever. Here's what our chief, you know, our, 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 our college scouting director said. You know what I mean? And then we're going to figure out this and put our grade on it. Right. right, right. That's a, no, that's a, I'm not saying they blindly make a draft pick based on analytics. I'm saying that they, in, instead of like five dudes banging a table in a smoky room, you know, like, like, right, well, you may not- eventually get to that point, but it's going to be backed up and buttressed by a whole, you know what I mean, by all this other exactly. data, you know, that isn't really anecdotal. It's just straight up numbers. Okay. All right. This is that, that's a really, that's a really fascinating aspect of like a coaching search in 2019 that didn't even take place 10 years ago. You know, like 10 years ago, you're just yeah, like, all right. Yeah. 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 So and so. By the way, worth pointing out here too. Um, of the 10, here are the 10 longest tenured head coaches in the NFL. One, Bill Belichick, obviously. Um, two, with, uh, Marvin Lewis being fired is Sean Payton. Three, Mike Tomlin. Four, John Harbaugh, who, uh, midway through last year, we thought was going to be fired. Uh, five, yeah. Jason Garrett. Amazing. Yeah. Six, Pete Carroll. And then seven, Ron Rivera. Eight, Andy Reid. Ron Rivera hired in 2011. Jason Garrett, 2010. Both look like they could end up, you know, being out the door, uh, which would, you know, mean that if they were both fired and Dan Quinn, who's the 11th most tenured coach, uh, were fired, I think Doug Peterson would be one of the top 10 longest tenured head coaches. Wow. Yeah. With Sean Mar- I would say of that top 10 list, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> which, uh, which which one? Number five. Oh, Jason Garrett. Yes, that is yeah. yeah. That's yes, yes. All the other. Let's see. Pete Carroll's won a Super Bowl. John Harbaugh's won a Super Bowl. Mike Tomlin's won a Super Bowl. Yes. Ron Rivera's been to a Super Bowl. Andy Reid is right behind Ron Rivera. He's been to a Super Bowl. And then it's Bill O'Brien, Mike Zimmer, and Dan Quinn. Um, so what would you say? So I'd say one through nine. O'Brien was ten. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. 
Ron Rivera, seven. Reed, eight. Bill O'Brien, nine. Mike okay. Zimmer top is top eight. Top eight. Top eight. One of these things is not like the other. That's true. I would say out of the top ten, one of these things is not like the other, but that's just me. Uh, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would not. I would. I would draw a hard line after Andy Reid there on that list. Through Bill Yeah. All right, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, he's. You know, he's. They can't fire him. He's the GM too. Um, <laughs> what about the uh, the quarterback markets? Because Ryan Tannehill. Is he playing himself into a franchise tag? He is. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know that they'll have to go there. It's at least a question that they're going to have to consider. He's certainly playing himself into the Titans wanting to do um, something with, do some business with him as soon as their season ends. But he's also playing well enough that I don't know that he has to. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, He's, might, the last five weeks, statistically, he's top five in pretty much any category that matters. And then you look, you talk to scouts, people who've watched him play, and he's a different guy than he was in in Miami. Um, he's carefree. He's confident. He's smiling. He's projecting a lot of positive energy. He doesn't look like he has the weight of his shoulders on him anymore. He doesn't look like a guy who's going out there to please people, you know what I mean, and be who they want him to be. He looks like a guy who's just having fun playing football. Um, he's unlocked that offense. It's, you look at what it was like with Mariota, how constricted it was. How it was almost like it's, it was almost like self-strangulation. And now he's 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 got some of those receivers showing up week after week in ways we haven't seen before. He's opened things up even more for the running game. Um, and he, he's exhibiting real leadership skills, and, and he's making himself a lot of money. I mean, he's got a chance to make $3 million. He's, he's only making 1.8 this year. He's got a chance to make another three in incentives. Um, and more, most importantly, at a time when people still don't know what Jameis Winston is, you know what I mean, and Mariota and Flacco and Eli Manning and – Philip Rivers, and you know what I mean? You go across the board at guys, Andy Dalton, guys who are likely to be available as free agents um, or cap casualties or in trade. There's not many who are ascending, you know, assets right now. And it's, and Tannehill is, and he's still really young. And if he can prove that he's durable and stays healthy and leads that team into the playoffs, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all, uh, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. I know that the Chargers really explored trading for him, but ultimately decided just to sign Tyrod. And he wasn't going to go to the Chargers. You know, it was going to have to be a renegotiation of the contract, too. So he was always going to have a role in where he ended up. And going to the Chargers to back up Phillip isn't the same as going to Tennessee to back up, and I'm putting back up in air quotes, Mariota, who you know that if he doesn't have a good first month of the season, they're putting him on ice. Um, And the Saints had Teddy Bridgewater sign with the Dolphins. And remember, he could have gone there to start, but smartly said no thanks. Then Sean Payton would have traded for Ryan Tannehill, um, who it turns out would have ended up getting right half a season roughly. Would have Breeze missed what six weeks basically. Um, you know, he would have gotten a long look in that system as well, and I suspect Tannehill would have looked really good there too. But in the end, he, you know, it was Tennessee, and that's looking like uh, a great match. And you know with where they are as a program right now and where Mike Vrabel is, um, I think Ryan Tannehill will be a great fit there rather than starting over with another quarterback. You know what I mean? Or throwing a dart at Cam Newton, who you'd have to still probably give up a fair amount to get. You know, or (coughs) you can't 
you can't go to Jameis. You know what I mean? After just having Mariota, like I, I think I think you know I know that they are going to make a real run at keeping him beyond this year, but he's he I think he's he's setting himself up to be in a, a position of great uh, leverage. Well, that's what I'm. That, that was my point about the tag. Is that like I could see a situation where, and not because he doesn't like maybe he's maybe he's like, hey man, look, I love it here. I'm loyal, but like even at the end of the day, no one's just going to sign a deal and hang out. And you know, like you're at least going to explore your options. And if he gets, you know, somebody tries to make it rain, I mean, that's why the Titans might say, "Look, we're going to tag you, but let's hammer out a deal. We but we like you. You like us. You know, you just don't want to let him get to market and potentially lose him." Um, I, I I get the sense, and maybe I'm wrong, that Jameis Winston and the Bucks will work something out. They may. I, I think if, if Bruce Arians passes his physical at the end of the year. And he sits down with his family, and he's still gung-ho about all this. Um, with where they're picking, they're going to end up winning six or seven games. They're not going to be in position to get a blue-chip guy. They're not going to want to take a chance on somebody in the second, third round and try to make him the starter. Um, and then they're going to look at what else is available out there. And I've just talked about how most of these quarterbacks look like they're on. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're falling apart. Yeah, they they, they – Jason, look, if Jason Light really wants this to work out, and Bruce Arians seems to really want this to work out, so they, they I bet they do find a Band-Aid deal. Assuming yeah, he stays healthy, you know what I mean? And assuming he doesn't have three games of four turnovers each in December, which also is not out of the question. No, not at all. And I just think, I just think that, like, Jason Light, Bruce Arians is probably not like Bruce Arians is probably only going to stick around if it's Jameis Winston. Like he's not going to want to do some, you know, quarterback reboot thing. And I could see a situation where if like if Jameis just totally melts down and pees his pees down his leg down the stretch, which again, totally possible that the Buccaneers ownership are like, you know what? We need to do our 333rd total reboot over the last. Right. Uh, what about, uh, Phil and Rivers? that's the thing there. It's going to be an ownership decision because even if it's a one or two year deal, like if you're Jameis Winston, you're going to, you're still going to be thinking, well, God, if Nick Foles just got 50 million guaranteed, you know what I mean? I, you're going to tell me I'm not worth 20 a year? And do the Glazers want to pay him that kind of money? That's, you know, where the rubber will hit the road. Yeah, maybe it's a deal where it's like, inter, maybe it's like, you know, if you if you have less than 15 interceptions, we will. Uh, we'll oh, yeah, I'm sure that could, you could put all kinds of incentives and, and different uh, thresholds in that contract for sure. Yeah, I, th- I would assume that's what they would do. All right, uh, Philip Rivers, my guy. Looks like, are we headed towards the. Um, Headed towards the end here. Yeah, we 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 are. Um, you know, I've had people pretty high up the food chain there express some frustration and sort of concern, and and are are, are kind of reaching their um, breaking point. Now, no decisions have been made. I talked to some other people in that organization who were like, "Look." You know, yes, there's some frustration here, and and yes, the turnovers are a problem, but we also didn't give him the kind of offensive line we hope to, and let's face it, with his lack of mobility, you've got to build some things into your offense if you really want it to work. Um, But they're also, no one's absolving, you know, Philip of blame, and, and, you know, no one whispered, like, hey, there's no chance he's leaving. Nobody's saying, you know, and also the proof's in the pudding, here we are coming up on December. There have been no talks. There's none scheduled. And I, I don't I don't see ownership recommitting. I, I don't. Um, really? 
So, so you know, could that take a turn? Perhaps. But I, I think at the end of the day, this isn't just about football also. And one thing I kept hearing as I was sort of reporting this out was just that, like, you know, okay, this two-year, you know, purgatory in Carson is over. And we're fighting the Rams for market share. We're fighting the Rams, um, you know, for attention. We're fighting the Rams literally for, for tickets uh, in this new stadium that's going to be built in Inglewood. Like, can you can you sell a 38-year-old quarterback who's thrown the second most interceptions in the NFL the last four years, who lives in San Diego and spends four hours a day in his car so he doesn't have to be in L.A.? You know what mm. I mean? Like, yeah. who's not going to... You know what I mean? Who's who's not going to be doing a whole lot of rah-rah, you know, uh, rallies and, you know, meet the sponsors. And you know what I mean? Like, that's not and, – and frankly, that's kind of what they need. And, and the job description of, you know, Chargers franchise quarterback circa 2020 isn't just about those 16 weeks. So – yeah, the more I mean, there was something. I mean, I talked to somebody there who was like, "Look," and this is somebody who's not making stuff up. Like, hey, like there, there, there are some conversations about Tyrod. Like that, like maybe just at, at some point here in the next few weeks, just if we need to, stabilizing things and trying to win a game a different way, because the jump balls and the end zone interceptions and the red zone interceptions are just crushing. That would be a bit of a shock. Um, do you think that? So do you think that Rivers would, if he decided to leave, or if, if the Charger decided it's done, does, I mean, what does he do? Because. I mean, there's some people who think he would just retire, you know, go, go down to, you know, coach some high school football and raise his family or whatever. Um, others are like, well, if the, <coughs> excuse me, if the perfect opportunity arose, to try to catch lightning in a bottle and win somewhere. Like some people have mentioned Chicago to me that if you look at that and you think you're a plug and play quarterback away from winning a ring, could that make some sense? Um, I have wondered about Nashville and Carolina because those cities I think would resonate with him because geographically it gets him a little closer to home. And you know, it, it, they may be a quarterback away, but, and you, you know, you've got we don't know what's going to happen with the staff in Carolina, but there's potential for it to be a North Turner reunion. But at the end of the day, they, they may look at Kyle Allen as being, you know what I mean? A real asset there. And then Tennessee, we just talked for, you know, 10 minutes about how much sense Ryan Tannehill makes there. So I'm not sure there's going to be an abundance of, of, of um, suitors for Phillip rivers, to be honest with you. And like would Phillip rivers retirement, I think, you know what I mean? Retirement may, may make a whole lot of sense. That's the thing. I don't think that Philip Rivers will move his. I mean, he he didn't move his family to L.A. <laughs> like, right? Is he gonna is he gonna go live in? I, I think back to that Robbie Gold thing where Robbie Gold, um, you know, went and played in San Francisco, and his family's in Chicago, and he was talking about how just how tough it was, and I just yeah. can't imagine Philip Rivers going to like Chicago with his family staying in San Diego. And I mean, this sounds kind of insane, but like you can't move nine kids who are the ages of 17 to two out of all of their schools and all of their programs and all of their schedules and take them to Nashville for a year. Like if, if, if he goes to Nashville, if he goes to Carolina, if he goes to Chicago or wherever, you know, where anywhere else that is not, you know, 
L.A. or San Diego, he's going to have to do it without his family. I mean, that, the, well, I, mean, I think that, it would be like, do we do we find where we're going to live the next, you know what I mean, thirty years, and we relocate there, and then Daddy, you know what I mean, Daddy's gone for six weeks during OTAs, but he's back every weekend. You know what I mean? He's gone Tuesday to Thursday. You know what I mean? And then Daddy's gone for half of one school year. And then, you know what I mean? If he's still playing football in January because, you know, Team X is in the playoffs, then we're all there rooting him on. And if not, then Daddy's coming home. Okay. Um, man, I man, what if we get Eli Rivers and Ben all retiring in the same offseason? Oh, Ben's not retired. No? Huh? No. Okay. No. Right. He's definitely coming back and playing? Yep. He's not. He's not going to be unseated by uh, Mason Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, um, no. Uh, all right. What? Uh, am I forgetting anything? Did we cover everything. How about how about uh, how, how about the Jags? Nick Falls, man, just lighten it up. It's <laughs> good thing. Go, good thing they what, put that kid on ice for this. That's yeah. Why don't they go that's with awesome. Gordon? What's that? Go, go with Gardner. I said it all along. I was the only person saying, even after he, he crapped the bed in London, I'm like, I'm sorry, Nick Foles ain't changing anything. Nick Foles with bad talent around him is not, I mean, like, really? You think Nick Foles, just because you gave him $50 million, is going to be who you're paying him to be? He's still Nick Foles. Like, yeah. come on, yeah. man. DJ Sharks regressed since they made the change. The the offense has regressed across the board. The running game has regressed. I mean, did you, did you watch? I mean, you, not many people did. I watched. It. I implore you to go go watch Nick Foles try to run, and I'm putting "run" in air quotes away from pressure in that game. I mean, it looked like there were eight sandbags t- tied around his waist. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, Minshew, um, to go with the young guy and, and roll and see what Minshew. Like, they they were they were sort of audacious enough to believe that somehow that kid was holding them back rather than, bro, he's the only thing you've got. Like, he's what's making it go. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Flip and Doug Marone didn't all of a sudden turn into geniuses. Like, you know what I mean? You, you didn't have this great cast that was pulling up Gardner Minshew. And, boy, but he's just holding us back a little bit. And if we had a better quarterback, we, boy, we'd win this division. No, 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 no. He was the whole reason you stabilized. Like, he was the reason you were even still in it. It was him. I got, I got a little. Not t- your, little t- not your amazing team. I got a little tip for you that I was going to say for the picks podcast, but I'm going to give it to you now in case you want to eye it for your best bets. So uh, teams who have played, who, who teams who gave up a hundred rushing yards or more to Derrick Henry are one in five straight up the following week and got absolutely gashed by whatever team they played. So if you think. You're looking at uh, Jacksonville minus one and a half hosting Tampa Bay. Might like the Bucks in this spot. That's all I'm saying, GLC. I like that. I need I need help. My best bets suck right now, so that I I may steal that from you. You know Mr. what we had, we had uh, we had our picks our picks pod that did went incredibly well because I went uh, five and one against the spread on my best bets. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. We have. Um, I think RJ is Debo. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is he four and zero with Baltimore pending? Is that right? Correct. Wow. Well, I like. I, well, I hope. I don't want to put. I don't want to put the jinx on him. But I think the Ravens will win this game decidedly. And here's the best part, Prisco. 
I think he went oh and five. Oh and six? One and five. No, no, he got one. He went one and five. <laughs> I can't I wish I could rip him, but I, I can't. Frisco, I've been like texting. I only He's, picked two this week and one was <laughs> one was Green Bay. Uh, my uh, my other best bet was Baltimore tonight, so we'll see if I can we'll see if I can break even. But um, I'm in a bad way right now. All right, you can shake it off. Just eye that Tampa Bay game. I'm telling you, uh, Jason Lockaforo. Make sure you're watching this Thursday on CBS Sports on on Big CBS on the on the CBS Network, the Tiffany Network, from four to four twenty five. He'll be doing the pregame show of the NFL today. And uh, then, of course, the Bills and Cowboys. So tune in for all of that after your turkey's eaten and you're snacking on the gravy and you wake up from that Trubisky tryptophan-infused nap. Thanks, buddy. Hey, you got it, dude. Talk to you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.